So last week we did meet Samuel and we heard the story of his call. He was just a young boy. He had grown up with Eli, living in and learning the ways of the temple. And there was some sweet humor, if you recall. God called Samuel in the wee hours of darkness, and Samuel assumed it was Eli, because who expects God to call, right? And he went and woke up Eli and said, I'm here, what do you need? And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And that happened three times around, until finally Eli realized, oh, it's God calling Samuel in the middle of the night. So the next time God called, Samuel was ready. Sam said to God, here I am. What do you want of your servant? You see, even at the age of a young boy, Samuel understood that we are all here in service to God. Well, the message for Samuel was a difficult one. Go tell old Eli that his sons are a disgrace. God had tried previously to get Eli to do something about his wayward sons, but like some parents, Eli preferred ignorance and distance. He preferred to just let things ride and not get involved with his adult sons. So God had decided that it was time for action, and poor little kid Samuel is given a very grown-up message to deliver to Eli about Eli's sons, a message Samuel knows will be like a knife in Eli's heart. Talk about a hard first call. It's not pretty for Eli's family, but it is truth. And out of truth often comes struggle, but also growth. And this was the beginning of Samuel's service for God. Now a lot has happened, as I said, decades have passed between that story and today's story, Samuel grows up to be Israel's 13th and final judge, and a wonderful judge after a long line of disappointing judges. Remember, the people often ran into difficulties from their own doing as well as from those who lived around them, and they were constantly begging God to have a monarchy like those neighbors who gave them such fits. But God kept insisting God was their king. They had no need for a mortal king. And so God continued to lift up judge after judge from the people to deal with whatever the current calamity was. And Samuel, well, he was one of the best of those judges. But eventually, God concedes to the people's demand for a king, and Samuel is called by God to anoint Israel's first king, Saul. Samuel loves Saul, adores Saul. But Saul loses his connection with God, does displeasing and disobedient things, and eventually loses God's favor. God needs to make a change in management. And this is where we enter the story today. So once again, Samuel finds himself in the wake of corrupt leadership as a child, it was Eli's sons. Now, it is the faithless king, Saul. But once again, God will not let God's dreams die due to the mishaps of individuals. Once again, God will raise up new leadership. Once again, God will provide. Now, Samuel knows that Saul is out, and God is about to anoint a new king, and he is exceedingly sad about this. But God says it's going to be okay. 
get up, get going, I'll show you what to do. But Samuel also has some practical issues with God's plan. In fact, the plan kind of strikes terror in his heart because you know Saul is still alive. And if he gets drift of the idea of a new king, Samuel's life will be on the line. But Samuel has continued to be God's servant first and foremost in his life. So despite his own fear, he continues to be willing to follow wherever God calls. So he sets out for Bethlehem in search of this new king. It is one of Jesse's sons, God says. Well, who the heck is Jesse? And Bethlehem, of all places, that tiny little out-of-the-way town? Well, Jesse was the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. You might remember their story from the book of Ruth. And Bethlehem, well, I think you may have heard of that place, right? So out of this tiny, off-the-beaten-path place comes both King David and our beloved Jesus. And when Samuel gets there, we are given another sweet and humorous story. First, the town shakes in their boots when they see the great judge Samuel approaching. Oh, no. What sort of trouble are we in? Why is he visiting us? It would be kind of like the presbytery showing up unannounced. Usually not a good sign. But Samuel assures them he's not there for trouble. God is not upset with them. No, we're just all going to worship together. Oh, and be sure you get Jesse and his sons to come to church too. Then ensues a comedic presentation of possible kings. Remember, all that Samuel knows at this point is that Jesse's son will be king. So here comes the firstborn, the oldest, a handsome, strapping fellow. Aha, thinks Samuel, here he is. No wonder God has chosen this guy. But before he can get too far, what happens? God intercedes. No, 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 not this one, Samuel. Not this one. Don't you know by now, I don't give a darn about outside appearances. They mean nothing to me. No, what I care about is the heart. Apparently, Jesse's oldest son did not have a heart for God. He did not have the right stuff on the inside. So out comes the next son and the next and the next, and Samuel waits and waits for God's affirmation, but he never gets it. And now all Jesse's sons have been presented and all Jesse's sons have been rejected. What's up? Samuel scratches his head, knits his brow together. Something isn't adding up here. God said it would be Jesse's sons. Here are Jesse's sons. God has rejected each and every one of them. So Samuel turns to Jesse. Is this it? Are these all your sons? And in confusion, Jesse says, well, you know, the runt. Lewis guy, geez, he's hardly big enough to consider a full son yet. And he's out in the hills doing what the least skilled member of any family does. He's tending the sheep. Light bulb moment for Samuel. This youngest one then is brought in from the hills and God rejoices and says, yes, this one, this is the one that has a heart for me and me alone. And so this young David is anointed the next king of Israel. Of course, it will be years and years before he actually ascends to the throne, but that's a lot of other stories. 
Now we hear over and over again in Scripture what is important to God, and yet we always seem to stumble back into our human ways of evaluating. My goodness, even in today's story, did you see that the author couldn't resist saying that David was handsome, good in appearance? But God chose David for his heart, not what he looked like. God states that clearly in this story. Now, David went on to be Israel's most beloved and revered king. His loyalty to God never wavered. His passion for God was authentic and palpable. But he also had very real and very big flaws. He was very human. He did some terrible, disturbing things. But the difference between David and Saul was that David was willing to have God examine his heart. He was willing to admit his errors and transgressions. He was willing to ask God's forgiveness. In other words, his heart remained a heart for God despite his own personal failings. The picture of his heart was one of devotion to God. So what do our hearts look like? If we had a picture of our hearts individually and as a congregation, what would we see? An echocardiogram is a picture of our heart, and many of us have had such pictures taken. I find it fascinating to watch my heart in action on that little black and white screen. I watch and I know that every thought I am having, every muscle twitch, every image I am able to see on that screen is possible because of that beating heart, that heart that sends the lifeline of blood to every tiny nook and cranny of my body. Now the heart that God speaks of is different, of course. That heart is the soul, the essence of who we are, the spirit of our being. So I wonder, what would an echocardiogram of that heart look like? Well, maybe it would look a little bit like this. Now, you might have received this in the mail this week. If you haven't, it's on its way. It's this year's stewardship letter with some pictures of ministries here at PCWS. And I think this is a great echocardiogram of the PCWS heart. There are different pictures of different pieces here of our youth, of our mission efforts with the refugee family, of care for our amazing facility that helps us do all this great ministry. It's a great echocardiogram, and it's not even complete. More of our echocardiogram can be found downstairs in the hallways outside the Jones room. Pictures of pop-up mission projects and vacation Bible school. Add in pictures of worship every week, of men's small groups, of early morning and evening book groups, of Sunday school, videos of people dropping off food all week long for the food pantry, pictures of our partnership family in Cuba. Look at all of them together, and we get this great echocardiogram, this great picture of the heart of PCWS, a not-so-big church, kind of like David, with a big heart. It is your financial offerings every week that make all these ministries and pictures possible. It is your generous giving that allows us to be more than a tithing church. 
The echocardiogram of our overall finances is another great picture. And a close look at those documents shows a heart that gives away $52,000 a year. 52000 Locally, denominationally, and globally. Reflecting a conviction that we are called to serve all God's people, those in our corner of the world, and those far beyond. This is why the church exists to be God's hands and feet in this world. The mission and ministry that PCWS undertakes is kingdom work. It is our reason for being. That mission includes passing on the faith to the next generations, caring for the poor and the hungry, reaching out to those in need, sharing our vast gifts to lessen the burdens of others, and sharing the fellowship and love of Christ with each other, but also with all those who cross our paths. Your generous financial gifts to PCWS allow us to have a heart that beats loudly and strongly as it spreads God's love throughout the land. In the next few weeks, we're going to be taking some time to reflect on Christian giving and specifically our giving here to PCWS. It is a chance to look into our own hearts, reflect on all that has been showered upon us, and then give back in thanks. It is a chance to remember that what is important to God is what is in our hearts. That while we may look on outward appearances, God looks upon the heart. So let us have an echocardiogram that shows a strong and vibrant heart that gives in generosity in response to God's call upon our lives and upon our congregation. Amen. Now I'm my pleasure to invite Rogers into the second part of our sermon. Good morning. Can everybody hear me since we're adjusting heights at the location? Uh, this, my portion will be two parts. One will be an update on the refugee family and the other will be a stewardship uh, moment. And you'll find out about the title that I came up with while Leslie was talking uh, later. So the, the refugee family has been here for about six weeks. They landed at O'Hare about six weeks ago. And uh, with the help of Refugee One and Jean-Baptiste, who is a wonderful volunteer and translator, and then all of you at PCWS, the family, without speaking English, has so far moved into their apartment, started to acquaint themselves with housing, appliances, laundry, how and where to buy groceries, what foods are available, what is a neighborhood, what is our culture, what is our weather. They've started taking English classes at Refugee One four days a week. They've applied for social security cards, visited Refugee One Health Clinic for physicals, begun to learn and ride the Chicago Transit System, visited the nearby public library, learning the temporary Wi-Fi that Kathy has set up for them and love the clothing, shoes, gloves, scarves, hats from PCWS and hosted volunteers from PCWS each week. So that's a lot. And imagine I, I did that a little quickly just so that you got a sense of 
Imagine all this coming at you in the first six weeks in a new place, not speaking the language. So that's given us a chance to look into the heart of the family. And we have seen a loving, grateful, positive, and devoted family. Jeanette, the matriarch, is very spiritual and prays at each visit. Prince is learning to play the keyboard and plays during visits. Shema loves basketball. Princess is a busy and unbelievably cute 18-month-old. And Noella is a devoted mother and as good of athlete as any of her brothers. Denny is attending Sullivan High School, and which is facilitated by a special refugee language program. So that's the quick update on the refugee family. The stewardship portion of this is, as Leslie read the scripture, she spoke of Samuel going to Jesse to review Jesse's eight sons, one of whom would become the king of Israel. The next king was to be chosen because the Lord looks on the heart as it said. So none of the eight sons had a choice to what family they were born into, but all eight sons had a choice for what is in their heart. And I'll tell you that my heart has grown over the last 35 years of membership here at PCWS. As a younger person, I used to think that my accomplishments my accomplishments were due to my hard work, my skill, my talent, or maybe even my ingenuity. As my heart grew, I realized that's not the case. Um, I didn't get to choose the family I was born into, yet I benefited from the loving environment my family provided me. I benefited from a safe place to live, proper nutrition, access to medical care, and access to a good public education. I benefited from my talents being developed through after-school programs, summer camps, and even my church youth program. I benefited from in-state tuition to an out-of-state school because Missouri's reciprocal program with Kansas University. That led to my career and the greatest benefit of my life, which is my wife. I was able to apply my skills and work hard to advance my career, and we had jobs in Topeka, Kansas, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Kansas City, Missouri, and finally Chicago. Yet, I realize it has been God's gifts that have enabled me to walk this path. So why do I give? I give out of gratitude, gratitude for what I have been given. Gratitude that I can use my time, talents, and treasures at a place that helps my heart grow. I've learned so much from PCWS. If I had to title this particular sermon, I guess I would label it Heartland, because this, PCWS, is where the heart is. PCWS has a heart for worship, for mission, for education of both children and adults, for care for one another and community. Likewise, to stay viable, PCWS has a need to financially support our amazing staff, our musical program, this incredible building and facility, and our outreach, even including the refugee family. 
and of course our denomination. So let's go back to the scripture today. Why do I give to PCWS? Because while I will never be confused for God, I can see the heart of PCWS. And for me, as the Lord said to Samuel, PCWS is the one. And Mike will take over from here. Thank you, Rogers, for sharing your experience. Uh, stewardship and deciding just how much time, talent, and in particular, treasure to share is a personal matter. We appreciate you sharing your story. My name is Mike Lobash. I'm an elder on session. This week, you should have received in the mail, along with a 2023 pledge card, um, the, which Pastor Leslie pointed out. If you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to do so when you get home. The letter highlights the improvements in the church's physical appearance, Christian education programs, and most importantly, mission outreach. As Pastor Leslie alluded to, although the 2023 budget has yet to be developed, I'm presuming the ratio of expense items in the budget will build on this congregation's history of prioritizing mission. As in the past, I expect funding food programs, assisting in mission projects like Refugee One, and other outreach efforts will be the combined single largest expenditure outside of funding staff and keeping the building in operable condition. This church should be proud of that commitment to mission. Your role over, over the next few weeks as stewards of taking care of what God has given us is to submit your pledge card by November 6th, Stewardship Sunday. You have three ways to inform the church. You can send an email to stewardship at presbws.org or visit the church's website and click on the upper right-hand corner where it says giving, or like I'm going to do, be decidedly old school and just return the physical card. When considering how much to pledge, think about how much you've been able to give in the past few years and how that amount might be able to be increased. I say that knowing full well we're, we are in some economic challenging times. I run a business and budget our home expenses. For the past several months, I've been informed about the price of a gallon of gas and the monthly cost of cooling and heating a home. I've gotten the play-by-play -play weekly updates of how a dozen eggs used to be 99 cents and has risen to 280, and I think I have this correct this week is at $3.59. And then I leave the office and go home. Despite those inflationary increases we all see, the session is going to do its best to maintain the 2023 budget at 2022 revenue levels. We again anticipate building a budget on pledge revenue of $410,000. I'm not here to tell you the exact number or even to give you a formula of what's right for you to give. Only you and God know the answer. But please put yourself in the right frame of mind over the next few weeks to think and pray about what it means to be a steward, a caretaker for God. In the back of the church today is the 2022 giving statement, and please do pick it up so that we can save some cost on mailing those that aren't picked up. The statement contains your 2022 pledge amount and the amount given through September 30th. Our pledge revenue has fallen off pace for the months of June through September. I ask if you haven't met your pledge for this current year, please do so over the remaining weeks. I thank you for your time and can answer any questions you have. Please feel free to call the church or send an email to the stewardship at presbws.org. And I would like to leave you with one parting thought. 
and I should have looked at the bulletin in my email before I wrote this presentation because sometimes the answer is right in front of your face. I, uh, I was taken by the third stanza, the last line of our opening song. And that's the thought I want to leave you with. It says, for what we keep may vanish, but what we give endures. Thank you. <laughs>